Talking, host of Fantasy Sports Today. And if you want to be a winner, then the Fantasy Sports Network is for you. We're the first and only television network dedicated. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week to fantasy sports. We feature live advice, explore deep stats, and suggest players you can add before your league mates do. We give you nuggets of wisdom on everything from fantasy football leagues to fantasy movie leagues. But we're more than just numbers. Our host's approach to fantasy is unique and their knack for picking up on trends is second to none. The Fantasy Sports Network features the best of the best in the entire fantasy sports world with guests from all across the industry. So join us every single day to help you win your league. The Fantasy Sports Network. Find us on your cable box at FNTSY.com or on your Xbox, Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody, and happy Sunday to you. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today from FanRag Sports, Mr. Greg Jewett. Greg, how are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing well, thank you, Al. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so we've got an action-packed show with a lot of news, and you know we have we weren't on yesterday, so. Uh, we do need to talk about the Madison Bumgarner situation. There's actually a little bit of a, a new development there anyway. Uh, so, Greg, let's just dig right into the news. And before we get to the uh, the Mad Bum situation, uh, this morning we have uh, word from uh, Jason Beck that uh, Brad Osmus says that J.D. Martinez is still on track to be activated uh, basically in, in about a week's time, late this month or uh, early May. So good, good news there for J.D. Martinez owners. Uh, David Price, he's going to throw a 45 to 50 pitch bullpen session on Monday. So this is coming on the heels of the news that uh, there was a little bit of a slowdown in Price's recovery. But, uh, you know, now for, forging, uh, forging ahead with a, a bullpen session. And also with the Red Sox, Dustin Pedroia is going to undergo an MRI on both his left knee and ankle on Monday. And, of course, uh, Pedroia uh, injured in that that uh, takeout slide by Manny Machado. So he is going to get an MRI, uh, although uh, Pedroia himself has uh, you know, sort of soft-pedaled the, the impact of, of that, uh, that hit and uh, the, the time that he's likely to, to miss with it. So, uh, Greg, let's let's talk about the Sebastian Bumgarner situation. Uh, of course, he's uh, going to be out for most likely at least a couple of months. He's uh, sustained uh, both shoulder and rib injuries, and he's going for an evaluation on Monday. So we won't know anything certain about the timeline for Bumgarner or the course of uh, course of, of care for for him. But it is a possibility that he won't need surgery. So. You know, a couple angles here. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, I, I can't imagine anybody would drop Madison Bumgarner at this point. But, uh, I mean, even in a very shallow league, I mean, do you think there's every reason to uh, to keep him rostered? Uh, you have to kind of wait this out, especially when you're waiting to see what the news is um, after his appointment on Monday. Uh, it's going to be uh, a delicate situation, especially with, you know, him not – having gotten an extension yet from the Giants. Um, I believe he can, uh, I believe he can uh, test free agency after this year, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a, there's a lot more going on here than just fantasy owners being upset about his, uh, about his injury on the dirt bike, which, you know, is, is a tough, a bitter pill to swallow, especially for me because I traded for him this off season before my home league auction. So um, because of that, I had to bid overbid on Wade Miley last night just to try and keep some strikeouts in my, and my pitching staff, so so that hurt. 
Yeah, well, thank you for mentioning the, the cause of that accident. Yeah, it was remiss, but it's been a couple of days. So, uh, you know, the, the shock of that for, for me and, and maybe for a lot of others is worn off. But, yeah, that's, uh, you know, an off-the-field injury for, for Bumgarner. Um, also in pitching injury news, Garrett Richards has been moved to the 60-day DDL. So, again, another case where the hurt player really soft-pedaled the injury initially, said he's going to be fine. And I think this shows that we can't always trust. I mean, the players always want to come right back and get get in a lineup. Uh, but Richard's obviously now going to be out quite a while, moved to the 60-day DL with that uh, bicep strain. Uh, is he worth stashing for this extended period? Uh, no. I, on that one, I would move to either streaming or, or taking a chance on maybe uh, – Julio Urias, who might take over a rotation spot this week with the Dodgers or somebody else if he's available in your league. So um, I would definitely be looking to upgrade that spot. I, I have luckily have no shares of Garrett Richards. I just didn't trust all of the, all of the uh, positive mojo from the preseason. Um, and, at the, I mean, he did go to the press rate in auctions and drafts, but it, there was just too much risk for me to, uh, to put my toe in that water. So... Luckily on that one, I, I came out okay. I just I don't see this ending well. And for those that were predicting a uh, up and coming year for the Angels, it's not looking too good right now. No, no, certainly isn't. Although uh, Richard's replacement in the rotation, J.C. Ramirez, um, you know, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he's you know he's he's been good enough that uh, I actually tried to get him in one deeper league, and and somebody beat me to it, which I was a little surprised by, but. Um, you know, the, the collateral impact there actually is, is a bit fantasy relevant. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. other pieces of DL news. Uh, again, big ticket players here. Miguel Cabrera to the uh, 10-day DL with a groin strain. But um, the team is saying they think that this is going to be a minimum stay for Cabrera. So hopefully for all you Mickey owners out there that that holds true. And the Blue Jays placed Troy Tulowitzki on the DL. No surprise there after he uh, pulled up lame running the bases, uh, I believe that was Friday night, uh, with a strained right hamstring. Uh, I have not seen any word on how long Tulowitzki is expected to be out. And this one's got to hurt uh, for you, Greg. Uh, Campedrosian on the 10-day <laughs> DL with a right groin strain. How, how hard did you take this one? Well, I do have a couple of shares at Cam, so so that one uh, not optimal. Um you did see Street got moved to the 60-day DL, so you know I'm feeling bad about losing Bedrosian. The the Angels are now scrambling at the back end of that bullpen, pulling up Kirby Yates, who's been cycled through the Yankees and Rays and most of the AL East. Now he's <laughs> possibly a relevant arm in that bullpen, which tells you about all you need to know. Um, you know, so luckily the the couple of leagues I do have Bedrosian, I had some uh, built-in backups I, I was able to get brad brock to replace him in that home league um I, I again another player i kind of overbid on last night but even if i only have him for a week or two uh it was still worth the it was still worth the price to uh bridge that gap to Bergosian. so you know it, they're they're saying this could be two to four weeks on cam so that that's definitely going to open the door to uh possibly bud norris or somebody else if they want to uh grab grab a save share in that angels bullpen yeah, well, uh, Norris also, he pitched the eighth on Friday night. And I have to admit, mm-hmm. that kind of you know came out of nowhere for me. I figured they'd use Blake Parker in that situation. But he actually came in later in the game. I believe it was in extra innings. Um, so, yeah, Norris, in a way, even though Yates started the ninth inning last night, Norris, would, he got the save. And based on the usage, it seems like he's got as good of a chance as, as anybody to fill in for Bedrosian. So um, I certainly wouldn't think he has the same sort of appeal as Brad Brock, even though Brock has a limited shelf life as a, a Zach Britton fill-in. But uh, is Bud Norris worth pursuing in that similar kind of stopgap uh, situation? I think if you're using them, and you know we've used this reference before, kind of like a rodeo, you, you throw them in there and use them as long as you can until he shows you he can't be trusted. Um, but, but there's a couple of things to like about him. The, the spike to a 13.7 swinging strike percentage, uh, according to fan graphs, he does have 11 strikeouts and 9.2 innings pitched this year. And his 3.72 ERA doesn't excite anybody, but his 1.85 FIP says he's had a little bit of bad luck with a low strand rate. So, 
Um, I remember a couple of years ago when I used to do the bullpen column for a, a different site, I was like, God, I wish somebody would just put Norris in the bullpen and let him uh, narrow down his arsenal and just see what he could do. And um, he, he might be able to uh, do all right in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I don't trust him, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, he could get a couple of saves in the meantime. But we do need to remember Bedrosian only had three in the Angels' first 17 games played. So um, it's not like there was a ton of opportunity to get saves in that bullpen to begin with. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Although, you know, that's a thing that can always be in flux. Uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, between, uh, you know, the, the good but not overwhelming peripherals and uh, the limited shelf life there, um, I don't see myself going after Bud Norris in any leagues. But, you know, if you need saves in a deeper league, he's he's suddenly a name that's out there. Uh, I think, can, Al, if I yeah, can I'm say sorry. one thing. I think he's more valuable, especially in like a head-to-head format. Uh, I think in Yahoo, he still has starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligibility. So like if you're mm-hmm. in a league where you can put him in when a starting pitcher is off and maybe get a cheap save in that spot, uh, he has more value in that sort of a format. But uh, I agree with what you're saying. Well, that's a great point, though. Yeah, cause, you know, all, all different variations and formats there. And, and in that particular format, I think Norris could be a lot more useful. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's, you know... That's a good thing to point out. The Twins uh, this morning, they've recalled Kenneth Vargas, which I'm sort of intrigued by. To be honest, I was a little disappointed he didn't make the team out of spring training. I know he was a little banged up at that point, and there was also just a roster crunch. And it might not sound consequential to, to a lot of people, given that this is a guy who's had opportunities to stick with the team as a first baseman or DH, and he's not really taking advantage of them. But Vargas has always hit lefties pretty well, and I'm not sure where mm-hmm. he could fit in the uh, the Twins lineup, but uh, they've got three lefties on the schedule this coming week. I, I'm, I'm very interested. I could see in a deeper league stashing Vargas and see how they use him this week. Uh, any interest there, Greg? Or it may be interested on an even less limited basis than that. I think his power, I mean, he, he kind of sees another guy who teases us in the spring. I, I think the talent's there. It's just a matter of him putting some things together. I mean, it's not like he's a, a high upside player, but, you know, as a solid DH type, you know, uh, stranger things have happened. I, I know our buddy Nando's disappointed that uh, Byung-Ho Park's not ready to return yet because he would have liked to see him get that that promotion there. But, um It'll be interesting to see how they use him this week, and he's definitely going to be a player that I will be watching as the uh, as the week progresses, not only to see where he hits, but how the Twins deploy him. Yeah, and exactly, and, and you know how often he even gets in the lineup. Um, you know, Robbie mm-hmm. Grossman's done a, a fairly nice job at DH. Maybe he platoons with Joe Maurer. We'll have to see. Um, few notes uh, from the West Coast. Couple of Dodger notes. Actually, sorry, one Dodger note. I need to get into 2017. Howie Kendrick is no longer a Dodger. He's a Philly, uh, but he is out for two to three weeks with a hamstring strain. And Aaron Altair has been been filling in there. Uh, so, you know, another question about somebody maybe with limited shelf life as a, a regular player. But uh, how much do you like Altair? Um, I had him in the uh, start sit column for FanRag as a player that – um, it doesn't look like you you might want to use him this week, but um, he's actually hit pretty well against right-handers. And batting second in the lineup uh, intrigues me. He's almost like a perfect post-hype guy where people mm-hmm. were on him last year, and now that's kind of lapsed. Um, but there's some power, there's some speed, and um, anytime you're hitting in that top third of the lineup, getting more at-bats, it, it, it helps with the counting stats. So, um, you know, I've, I added him in a couple of deeper leagues. Uh, I might stream him in in the outfield this week and see what happens. But uh, so far, the returns have been good. It's, it's just going to be about if he can really – did he turn a corner or is it just a hot streak? Yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah, like that characterization of Altair as a post-hype guy. Uh, so, you know, looking good so far this year. Now on to those West Coast notes. Julio Urias may start this week, possibly on Wednesday. That would be the logical spot for him to uh, – slot into the Dodgers rotation because that would be on his uh, normal rest. And it would be in place of Alex Wood, who's been a placeholder for Rich Hill. And uh, in terms of Hill, uh, Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, told uh, some reporters that he thinks that Hill 
may possibly come back as a reliever. So that's got to be big disappointment for uh, for Rich Hill owners. And for the Giants, Denard Span has a mild shoulder sprain. He is going to go for x-rays. In our last news note, at least for right now, George Springer is out of the Astros lineup for today. Uh, he sustained a hamstring injury uh, in yesterday's game. So Springer, obviously somebody to watch as we're uh, heading into a new week here and make sure he's going to be good to go uh, before lineups lock on Monday. The good thing is it's a late lineup lock on Monday, no day game. So that buys you maybe a little extra time. So we've got to head to to break, but when we come back, we will take a look at uh, today's slate and see how the weather's affecting it, see if there are any interesting uh, lineup tweaks going on out there, and then we'll uh, take a look at some of the great hitters, or great hitting performances at least, from Saturday's games. So stick around. Welcome back, everybody, and happy Sunday. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And with me today, also from FanRag Sports, is Greg Jewett. And uh, Greg, uh, among many things about for FanRag, writes a sit-start column that he referenced in the last uh, segment. Uh, so make sure to uh, go onto FanRag and check out uh, Greg's work, which is always, always really well analyzed, well thought out, and well presented. So... Uh, let's take a quick look at some of the lineups, Greg, for uh, today's games. Uh, Dexter Fowler back in the Cardinals lineup after missing Saturday. Back in his uh, comfortable leadoff position. So good news there for Dexter Fowler. And that's against the Brewers. And the Brewers, they've got uh, Eric Thames in right field today. Uh, so that makes room for Jesus Aguilar. And they're facing the righty Mike Leak. So that's not a... Uh, uh, a tweak that I would have necessarily expected, but that means no Domingo Santana in the Brewers lineup today. Uh, and the uh, Pirates, we've seen a bit of a revolving door in terms of trying to replace Starling Marte. They're facing the lefty Jordan Montgomery today. So we're seeing, uh, once again, against lefty Jose Ozuna had that really terrific spring for the Pirates. So kind of nice mm-hmm. to see him get a uh, get a shot at at least some Platoon uh, playing time for uh, for Jose Uzuna. And uh, if there's anybody that you're really stoked about uh, streaming in today or, or playing today, good news is there are no weather situations of any kind of import anywhere in the major leagues today. The highest precipitation chance of any game is the night game with the Nationals at the Mets. 2%! 2% precipitation uh, chance there. So this is uh, information from Rotor Grinders Chief Meteorologist Kevin Roth. So, Kevin, thank you very much for that very, very nice, optimistic weather report across the major leagues. So, uh, Greg, before we dig into some of the top performers from Saturday's games, let's talk a little bit about the RotoExperts.com exclusive in season package, uh, fancy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan those numbers like a roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, which is powered by InsideInjuries.com. Get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code free radio at the checkout for a special discount. All right. Well, speaking of special, some special performances, uh, Greg, in uh, in Saturday's games. A couple of two homer performances, not from a totally unexpected sources. John Carlos Stanton. He's uh, he's in one of those uh, just uh, unstoppable power binges right now. Two for five against the Padres. Now it was Jared Weaver pitching, so you figured there were going to be some home runs. Uh, but uh, Stanton now up to seven home runs with a 277 batting average. Was it your impression, Greg? I, I sort of felt like it was almost like a trendy thing to be really down on Giancarlo Stanton going into this year and, and to be worried about the injury history and, and all the streakiness. I mean, was that much much ado about nothing? 
Uh, I think it all depends on what people were were paying for him at that time. I know, um, you know, when, when his when his time was coming around in most of the drafts, um, I was targeting other people because I was I either got I was trying to get my power with Nelson Cruz uh, to me just a little bit more reliable of a source, although he's off to a slow start. Um, it, it it all depends, you know. I think Jeff Zimmerman, who we spoke to uh, during our time down at Tout. You know, he's he's a proponent of saying that, you know, labeling a guy injury prone is 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 not fair. Um and there's been some fluky things with Giancarlo. I mean, what we know is that he's streaky and but when he's on the power goes. Um, but you know, there's always a chance that his batting average is gonna bottom out a little bit when he goes through a dry spell. But, you know, this is kinda of who Giancarlo Stanton is, but you know, when he's locked in and he's seeing the ball well, it's gonna jump out of the yard. Um, and he he heads to Philadelphia after this, so that's that's not a ballpark that's going to depress power for him um, in, in the coming days ahead. So you know you might be able to ride this wave for a little bit longer. Yeah, well, that's something that I never really worry about with Stanton. Um, you know, because uh, you know, plays Marlins Park. I, I actually attended the game where he broke the scoreboard, <laughs> hitting a home run off of Jamie Moyer. <laughs> so I mean, he he could hit for power anywhere. It's just it really is, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something with the health. And I mean, I've argued, you know, I'll I'll certainly agree with Jeff Zimmerman on this one when it comes to Stanton. I think that the the uh, injury uh, prone label on him is is unfair because some of them have been you know fluky injuries, including when he you know got hit in the face with the pitch. So. I think with him, it's just a matter of he's just a very streaky hitter. And uh, mm-hmm. I think you take the good with the bad because the good is, is so good with Stanton. And we're seeing that right now. He's got four home runs in his last three games. And this was, you know, this was a pitching matchup that promised lots of power. I actually expected more than what we saw with the Marlins and the, the Padres, the 6-3 final for the Marlins. Uh, so you had Dan Straley and Jared Weaver, who last season were two of the top five pitchers in terms of fly ball rate. And I put out a Twitter poll. I said, "What uh, if I put out an over/under of 20 fly balls between the two starters? You take the over/the/under." And overwhelmingly, it was more than 90% took the over. Well, the less than 10% that took the under, they won because Straley only had seven fly balls. Only I say uh, because he was busy striking out 14 batters. Yet he still managed to get seven fly balls, even with that. And then Jared Weaver got 11, so he held up his end of the bargain. So combined, they had 18 mm-hmm. fly balls. Uh, but uh, just three homers in the game, Stanton with, with two of them. The other was Austin Hedges, and he's also in his own little power binge. That's his fifth of the season. Now he's still batting just 179, but you know we have to remember he had that just horrible, horrible start for the first, what, week, week and a half. Um, so he's got a big hole batting average-wise to dig out of, but already five home runs for Austin Hedges. Where is he at in terms of the pecking order of catchers uh is he is he ready for one catcher leagues yet you think uh i'm not sure he's quite ready for that although if you're going to um take a chance on his recent uptick i mean he started over 24 so yeah you as you said that's a big hole to dig out of but um that that might depress his uh his value he was actually dropped in my 12 team um nfbc league that i'm in so uh, I'm bidding on him tonight to try and get him in there as my second catcher to uh, to give that a little a little jolt to that lineup so I can get Wilson Ramos back. So definitely looking to try and roster him tonight. Um, the the 147 BAPIPs suggest that some positive regressions coming his way. You know, five home runs the last seven games, um, and then he's got three multi-hit games within those seven. So you know, this could be kind of like a case last year where Redman came up. Um, started slow, but then turned his season around. Uh, you know, Hedges isn't viewed as that same sort of a hitting prospect as Bregman, but he figured some things out at AAA last year. Um, he made a little adjustment in his swing, and ever since he made the adjustment in his swing uh, during that 0 for 24 streak, the, the the power has come back. So, you know, he can't keep this type of power up, but I could see him uh, working that average up to the 250 range by the end of the season just because he's got work to do with that 0 for 24. Uh, but I, I think there's 15 or more home runs uh, uh, lying in his game. So, you know, he's fringe. To, uh, he's a fringe uh, 10 team, one catcher only. But in a in a two team catcher league, I, if he's there, you have to add him. 
Yeah, and no, I absolutely agree. And I, you know, we talk, you know, still at this point about the small sample sizes and when, you know, we will probably, I think, you know, at least well into early May. But in Hedges' case, this little power spurt does mean something to me because he had a power breakout at AAA last season hitting 21 home runs because prior to that, Hedges had always been uh, touted as this great defensive catcher who wasn't necessarily going mm-hmm. to develop offensively. And, it, you know, it's a PCL, so I thought, well, Maybe Hedges will hit for power in the majors. Maybe he won't. But just, you know, what he's showing right now is at least he's got the capability. And that, to me, does, like you say, it makes him a must-own in a two-catcher league. And given how quickly the quality of catcher drops off, if you want to play the hot hand, I wouldn't blame somebody for starting him in a, in a one-catcher mm-hmm. league uh, over, uh, you know, somebody who's who's struggling a bit. Uh, also in that game, I was really, really rooting for a big game from Ryan Schimpf. And I don't own him in any leagues, but just the idea of the the predominant fly ball hitter in the major leagues, like by a crazy margin, <laughs> going up against Dan Straley, I figured there had to be some fireworks. And Schimpf went 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. So, uh, of course, again, uh, Straley struck out pretty much everybody in that game. So uh, try again next time, uh, Ryan Schimpf. So uh, moving on to the Diamondbacks, a couple of big performances there. Yasmani Tomas with a two-homer game. That doubles his home run output to four for the season, batting 295. He, too, like Hedges, had a miserable start, although certainly not as prolonged as Hedges was. But he's you know gotten hot enough that he's now hitting 295. And David Peralta set a team record with four doubles, four for five, all those hits doubles, and just one point behind Tomas in batting average, batting 294. So Tomas and Peralta, uh, where do you see them? Uh, have they graduated to three outfielder leagues yet? Must start in five outfielder leagues. Where Where do you want these guys? Uh, I think Tomas has put himself into the three outfield range, um, especially when he's if he's hitting right-handers and left-handed pitching, then you've, you've got to be interested. So um, definitely moving him up. Um, there was a lot of skepticism. You talk about Stan. There was a lot of people uh, throwing the wet blanket on Yasmani Tomas in the preseason, people saying that he couldn't repeat the power, uh, that, that that he was due for major regression. And, and so far, again, small sample size, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, the latent power is still there, and that ballpark definitely helps his, uh, definitely helps his game. Uh, Peralta, I think you can use him in five outfield leagues. Um, you know, people keep forgetting about the 17 home runs and nine stolen bases he had before his injury-riddled season uh, last year. So, you know, hitting second in that lineup against right-handed pitching on the positive side of platoon, you know, that's a good place to be for uh, for value in baseball right now. And uh, another power uh, outburst, uh, Mark Reynolds with a home run and a double, his fifth for both of those. Three for five performance uh, against uh... – uh, well, let's see. Actually, I made an error in my notes. He wasn't playing the Padres because the Marlins were play, playing the Padres. Uh, uh, the Rock was that, that was the, Giants, the Giants, right? The Giants. So uh, yeah. just need to yeah, substitute. Yeah, he killed Matt Moore last night. Yep, that's right. Uh, so uh, you know, I know it's a, a limited time for for uh, Reynolds with uh, Ian Desmond possibly coming back within a couple of weeks. But uh, you, you ride the wave until then. I think you do, especially when he's at home. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what the Rockies do if uh, Parra is still disappointing and David Dahl's not uh, on track to return anytime soon. Um, if they would leave Reynolds at first base for a little bit and even go back on their promise of keeping Desmond at first base all year and flip him out into left field. So, um, And not to mention, you've got the hand thing with Carlos Gonzalez, and he's off to a slow start. So it's... Uh, definitely going to be uh something to track with that team I, i'm really 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 uh interested to see what they do when desmond returns yeah yeah i i certainly am and yeah reynolds really uh have a nice power resurgence this year so uh we've got a head to break again got a few other hitters to look at hitters who might be uh showing signs of comeback seasons take a look at that and uh, lots of great pitching performances to talk about and some bad ones too so stick around Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Alan Melchior, and my guest today is Greg Jewett, also from FanRag Sports. 
part of our uh, Fancy Day Baseball team, along with Jim Finch, who, by the way, will be on the show tomorrow. So be sure to tune in for that. And uh, we have a couple more hitters uh, to talk about here. Uh, but we got a, uh, a question uh, from Twitter. And uh, here it is. Sorry, I had to pull it up there. Involving one of these players, Greg, uh, at Rockin' Sponge, R-C-K-N Sponge, <laughs> he asks us, should he trade Michael Brantley, uh, Rugnet Odor, and Freddie Freeman for Chris Bryant, Bryant and Jamison Tyone? And, um, you know, I wanted to talk about Brantley because, at least on the surface, it looks like he's back in this prime form. Went two for five against uh, the White Sox yesterday, hit his third home run, stole his third base, and he's hitting 310. So that's you know, that's what you want for Michael Brantley. But, you know, 300 ish average with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. So, again, the uh, the offer here was Brantley, Odor, and Freddie Freeman to get back Chris Bryant and Jamison Tyone. And this is a 10 team, uh, five by five head to head categories league. Yeah, uh, to me, that seems a little steep, even though. Um... I see Odor regressing a little bit this year. He's still going to have pop at second base, but, you know, Freddie Freeman was going in the second round in most drafts I was in, so that's only a round behind Chris Bryant. And and when you put in a healthy Michael Brantley in there, uh, I think I'd rather stay on the side of those bats. I don't know if he needs a starting pitcher, and that's the that's why he, the, the crux of this deal. But uh, I would try and restructure that to an even two-for-two um, as opposed to giving up the extra player to gain Tyone uh, to add in there with Chris Bryant. I, I don't know how you feel, but that, that seems like it's a little steep to me. I feel exactly the same way. And that's even, you know, with me having a little bit of skepticism about Brantley. I mean, look, he's, you know, what he's showing so far is far more than I, I figured because that shoulder uh, injury for him and the, the recovery from the shoulder surgery, it just lagged on for so long that, I had I really did not have big hopes for Brantley. I know you and I, Greg, actually talked about this a lot during spring training mm-hmm. because I didn't, for a time, I didn't even have Brantley in my top 75 for outfielders. So he's certainly back to a large degree, but he's also striking out 21.5% of the time. It is a small sample. A few games could bring that back down to his normal lower levels. But, um, you know, even with a little bit of concern about that, I, I agree. I think that needs to be shaved down to a, a two for two. Jason Hayward mm-hmm. also showing some positive signs early on. He went two for four at the Reds yesterday. That brings his batting average up to an even 300 now. So a far cry from where he was last year. And with a couple of homers, uh, not quite three weeks into the season, something more along the lines of the power. I think we thought we would see from Jason Hayward when he signed with the Cubs too early to declare it a comeback. Not sure it's too early to clear to come back. I mean, you know, he's never been a, a, he hasn't been a 300 hitter during his career. Um, He has a really uh, inflated bat up right now of 333, which is, which is not too far off from his 2015 uh, bat up of that, of that year. So, um, you know, scaling him back more to a 270 average is probably more realistic, but uh, definitely want to see how the power continues to translate. I mean, he's in a great lineup that just, you know, hits from top to bottom. So, you know, the county stats will be there as long as he can uh, stay productive. Uh, he was definitely very underrated by all of us. If he turns <laughs> out a 275 season with 15 home runs and 15 stolen bases, um, you know, a lesser version of Brantley due to the batting average concerns. But, you know, it's, it's a, if he puts up those kinds of numbers, um, he was a definite steal going at the 20th round, I think, in almost every draft that I was in. I almost think there was a, some unspoken collusion that we all knew that nobody was going to reach for Jason <laughs> Hayward, you know. But I think a lot of us knew that there was some chance that he could rebound and, and be a huge bargain. So the early return suggests mm-hmm. that that could be the case. Uh, now, you want to talk post-hype. Andrelton Simmons has not been a uh, power source. I mean, I guess you could argue forever, but when he hit 17 home runs in 2013, you know, at that time, that was good power for a shortstop. Haven't seen it from him since, but he hit his third home run uh, last night, and uh, he's uh, two for four in that contest, so, you know, the 288 batting average for a great contact here like Simmons, 
not a huge surprise. But the hard contact rate, you know, it's typically for Simmons been, you know, somewhere in like the lower to mid-20s, 34% so mm-hmm. far. So Simmons, 27 years old, uh, somebody to speculate on is, you know, maybe finally rediscovering that power. It's, it's mind-blowing because, you know, when we were doing our preseason stuff for FanRag, I had him in when we did our wrap-up of the shortstops. I was keying people into the eight stolen bases he had in the second half last year as kind of a under-the-radar speed guy, but now we're going to talk power. It's just, you know, yeah, he's been hitting he's been hitting fifth or sixth in the lineup most nights for Los Angeles. So I, I don't know that this is sustainable. He does have that 13 home run season in his past. So, you know, baseball HQ has preached for years. Once a player displays a skill, he owns it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're definitely going to have to see if there's a change in his in – his, uh, in his swing or if he's creating more lift, um, you know, there's a, there's a big movement in baseball to hit more fly balls and balls in the air. So maybe Simmons is buying into this. Um, another player I'm cautiously optimistic on, um, but people forget second half last year, he hit 291 with a 346 on base percentage uh, in a 69 game sample. So it's not like um, he wasn't showing signs of improvement last year with Los Angeles, the powers and added quotient. He only hit three home runs in the second half, but um, he had 19 walks against 22 strikeouts after the all-star break last year. So there's something going on with Simmons. And if you're going to add in power to it, then then that definitely makes him way more interesting than he was preseason. Yeah. That's a good point too. Last year he added on the walks, which was, which was nice. And maybe another piece there for Simmons. Uh, let's take a look at some of the pitching performances and let's, let's start on the downer note here. A couple of pitchers who had, seemingly really, really great matchups uh, last night, or uh, I should say uh, yesterday. Uh, Michael Pineda at Pittsburgh. That just looked like the ideal matchup for him. Team, uh, even with Sterling Marte gone, uh, still a a righty-leaning lineup. That was at Pittsburgh, so you probably uh, felt that you could not worry too much about Pineda's home run tendencies. Only lasted five innings in that one. Three runs allowed, which is not catastrophic. But uh, you know, still pretty disappointing. Six strikeouts, you know, which is fine. Pineda gets strikeouts pretty much no matter what. But pretty underwhelming performance there for Pineda. And then Robbie Ray against the Dodgers, who still this season struggling to hit left-handers. He too got the strikeouts. That's pretty much constant for Ray. Six and five and a third, but nine hits allowed to go with the two walks and five runs for Ray. So neither Pineda nor Ray went deep. Uh, Ray in particular got hit around quite a bit. I, I mean, you know, it's the same old question for these two, and they've been sort of linked together since last season. Strikeout guys mm-hmm. who give up, you know, uh, a lot of contact, or I should say hard contact, when they're not striking guys out. Uh, you know, c- can they be trusted yet? Uh, trust? Yeah, here's the here's the funny thing for the folks who do DFS. Pineda hit his uh, $10,000 on DraftKings yesterday. And, and to me, that was a complete trap. I had him in zero, I had zero exposure to him in that, and that sort of, because every time people buy in a Pineda, um, he seems to let you down a little bit. And this is from a, this is from a Yankee fan growing up. Um, you know, you, you never know which, which he could be in the perfect matchup and blow up and then be up against a team. You think he's going to get blown up and that's when he fires the 11 strikeout performance. So, you know, so volatile. Uh, him and Ray are both, uh, they're still whip killers right now, so I don't think they're trustworthy. If that's the if that's the quotations you're going to put around the word, uh, for me, you know they're both strikeout upside guys, but um, on a on a start to start basis, um, they can do they can do damage to your ratio. So that's something you have to factor in when you roster those guys. Uh, yeah, and and somebody else who's a, a much bigger worry than I would have expected at the start of the season, Kenta Maeda gave up four home runs. Uh, in yesterday's game against the Diamondbacks, of course, we mentioned that uh, Yasmani Tomas had two of those home runs. Uh, but uh, nine hits allowed for Maeda, only five innings. The short outings are not necessarily a new thing for him. But four home runs, uh, six earned runs allowed total for Maeda. And he's just suddenly become, you know, he's come Dan Straley. <laughs> a lot, a lot of fly balls this year for Kenta Maeda. A lot of home runs. Uh is there any point in starting him right now? Uh, right now, no. You have to get him out of there. Uh, I, I was watching that game on the uh, the Apple TV last night, and what I found interesting was um, after the game, 
the, the Diamondbacks were the Diamondback announcers were saying that um, they they think Maeda stuff's really flat right now. There's not movement on those pitches, um, and the Dodgers are even talking about skipping his turn this week. If you follow Andy McCullough on Twitter, their uh, their beat writer, he hinted that the uh, the Dodgers want to give him a start off, try and work on some things on the side, and try and uh, try and you know, limit the damage that he's been, that he's been given up to early in the season. So I think if you own him in fantasy, you probably can't drop him right now, but uh, I would, I would take his next start or two from, uh, from afar and put him in the reserves and, and see if he can turn it around. But since the, uh, the all-star break last year, I know there was a couple of blowups in the end of the season, but uh, if you add in his, uh, his work in the postseason, I think his ERA is in the fives uh, from that point forward to, to last night's performance. Yeah, yeah, and I absolutely can't trust. Him. I wouldn't trust him in the deeper league at this point. And two, two no. of the best performances uh, from Saturday. We talked about Straley, the 14 strikeouts, no walks, by the way, at the, at the Padres. I'm not sure which number is more surprising, the 14 strikeouts or the no walks. Uh, but mm-hmm. really, second really good performance from Straley in a row. And uh, no surprise here, but Carlos Carrasco at the White Sox, eight scoreless innings with eight strikeouts, just one walk. Not sure there's anything fantasy relevant to take away from that because we love Carlos Carrasco, but, uh, you know, mastered a, a matchup that we all expected him to couple other starters, a little more surprising that I want to touch upon after the break. And then Greg, let's, uh, dig into week four. It's, uh, just a little over a day away. So make some recommendations for your, uh, week four ad drops, come back and join us. We're going to go to break, but we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and my guest today is Greg Jewett, also from FanRag Sports. And uh, last segment, we were talking about some of the standout pitching performances, both in good and bad ways, from Saturday's games. A couple we didn't get to that I found really intriguing. One was Chase Anderson uh, against the Cardinals. Six innings, six hits, just one run allowed, uh, but it was an unearned run. Only one walk for Anderson, six strikeouts. Now, that might not, you know, blow you away, but that is the strikeout per inning for Anderson. And it's kind of more the the bigger picture for Anderson. He's not been, you know, one of these. There's been a lot of surprising pitching performances over the first three weeks. He's not been one I've heard talked about a lot, but his strikeout rate now is up to 22.9% for Anderson. And... Coming into the season, he was, you know, sort of the definition of Matt to me. I mean, he wasn't even guaranteed to be in the Brewers rotation and really may only be there now because Garza was out and then um, uh, Junior Guerra. But uh, Anderson featuring a few more cutters than he has in the past. I think that's helping to boost the strikeout rate. Uh, should we add him to the list of uh, pitchers to speculate on? Uh, I think you can. You know, he, he got knocked around a little bit in Chicago, but, again, we, we already touched upon how strong that lineup is. Um, and that ballpark, when the wind's blowing out, is not an easy place to uh, to pitch in. But uh, what people are kind of starting to take note of is he's he's kind of throwing the ball from a different arm slot this year, which has, uh, as you alluded to with the cutter, you know, it's, it's given uh, more movement to the pitch. Um, and what it's also done is uh, spread out the range between – the the uh, the fastball and the curveball. So there's stuff going on here underneath uh, just the the nice numbers to begin with. Um, and he's a very cheap upside play that you know he, he's solid, not spectacular, but he's the kind of guy that can just give you uh, solid innings as your your fifth or sixth starter in rotisserie leagues. But um, that that's something that is of value right now with all the volatility in pitching. You know. Uh, especially when when you have somebody like a Pineda or a Ray uh, raising the whip, sometimes having a guy like Anderson to offset it, even though he doesn't have the strikeout upside, um, if he keeps the ratios a little more in line and gives you solid outings, then he has fantasy value. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I've already made one bid on him. Take a look at some of my other leagues. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued. And Antonio Sensatella getting a little more attention, I think, just because of uh, the consistency with him. Another start for him with mm-hmm. no walks. Only three strikeouts against the Giants, but going deep into games, uh, going seven innings consistently, uh, just one run allowed. 
against the Giants. So this is a guy who pounds the strike zone, throws pretty hard, but not getting strikeouts. Eddie Zaraki's pitcher. I mean, is this uh, is this going to fall apart, or, or is there something here? Yeah, th- he's he's kind of intriguing too because we keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and he keeps putting up solid lines and, and working into games. Um, you know, I think everyone understands that you can uh, you can do well as a lefty against the Giants. Um, I saw your tweet earlier in the week, so I don't know if you were hinting at your boy uh, uh, Clayton Richard being in a good spot facing San Francisco mm-hmm. this coming week. But, um, you know, you can attack that lineup with a lefty. They have a, hot, a strong lefty lean, and then you kind of just have to navigate around Posey and uh, Pence when he's healthy. So, um Definitely interesting with Sensatella. So he was another guy in spring that was having a solid outing, but I think people were really skeptical due to being a Rocky. Uh, but, you know, you know, Anderson took a lot more of the limelight and drafts, but Sensatella has proven pretty, pretty solid to start the year. Yeah, yeah, very solid. And you provide me with an awesome segue there, Greg, into talking about two-star pitchers. Uh, so we do have to think about that uh, heading into tomorrow's week four lineup block. Clayton Richard, yeah, one of the the you know available two star pitchers you might consider. His second start is at uh, AT and T Park against the Giants, but the first one he's got to make a stop at Chase Field against the Diamondbacks, yeah. who do hit lefties very well. So is the one start mm-hmm. enough to cover for the other? Network in the business, featuring the FSTA award-winning on-target fantasy. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the rookie of the year in the industry, and it's only growing. Fantasy Sports Radio Network at FNTSY.com slash radio. Baseball is back, and so is the Fantasy Black Book. The nine-time best-selling Fantasy Black Book series is back and available for purchase on the Amazon Kindle Store, on iTunes, and for the first time ever... Uh, the two pitchers he's going to oppose this week, Patrick Corbin and Ty Blotch, and I want to talk about both of them briefly. Uh, but yeah, Miley, you know, one of the more attractive options. You know, Chad Cool, I think, also uh, one of the safer ones. Again, it's a two-start week, so it's not like you know mm-hmm. a guy like Cool is not necessarily going to get a ton of strikeouts. A one start, but in a pair of starts, uh, you know, he he could be okay. He gets the Cubs, which is tricky. And then he goes to to Miami, so you know nobody's a, a perfect <laughs> perfect option to pick up this week. But let's talk about no. those two guys that I mentioned uh, before: Ty Blotch for the uh, for the Giants, and uh, Patrick Corbin for the Diamondbacks. Corbin uh, gets the uh, Padres at home, and then also the Rockies at home, which certainly beats the Rockies on the road. Uh, Blotch mm-hmm. gets uh, the Dodgers, uh, but at home, which is which is a good thing. And then uh, the Padres at home. So Blachio almost yeah. universally unowned. He's filling in for Bumgarner. Um, but I, you know, I kind of like those matchups. I do too. He was he was owned in my home league, so that's why I had to go Miley. Miley was on the free agent wire, but Blotch was not. So I would have preferred Blotch, especially with those two matchups at home. Um, and, and I would prefer him to Corbin just due to. Uh, the ballpark factors, you know, Corbin could get you a win and he's, he's kind of another up and down guy like Pineda and Ray. Sometimes you get Cy Young on the mound and sometimes you get side done. So um, I would definitely rather play with the ballpark advantage with Blotch in that, in that scenario. All right. So, uh, you know, good chance if you were looking for two starts, uh, Blotch is available in your league. I mean, really you know, probably, Picked up some interest in the last 24 hours or so, but uh, definitely look for him. Look for Miley. I'd say Chad Cool is another good one to target. Uh, now, as far as hitters go, we got this question from at Philly Stars 27. Wants to know if he should start Michael Conforto this week in a 12-team league. Um, I want to say yes. Uh, some of that will depend on sets for this uh, hamstring health. But um, the, the last time I looked, I believe the Mets had six uh, right-handers on the docket this week with Tehran, Dickey, Cologne, Scherzer, Ross, and Strasburg. Now, you know, facing Scherzer and Strasburg is not optimal, but um, he should be able to make some hay against the the other four righties there. So, um, especially if they they hit him first, I prefer him batting first over uh, Granderson. But you know, I'm not uh, I'm not the Mets manager, so I can't make those decisions. But you know, at some point, it's got to be hard to ignore that Conforto's hitting 313 with a 625 slugging. Uh, to start the year in his first 15 games. 
Yeah, no, I, I would uh, I would tend to go ahead there. It sort of depends too on on who you'd have to bench, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd I'd like to uh, you know, give Conforto the shot if I if I have a chance. There's a couple of teams with really uh, good hitter matchups this week. The Diamondbacks are going to face, as we actually mentioned during the pitcher segment, going to face the Padres and the Rockies at home. And you know, despite the uh, you know talents of Antonio Sensatella, uh, without John Gray, that's not really an imposing rotation. The Padres, of course, you know, uh, not not really that imposing either. And then the the Tigers, who are you know, missing several players in the lineup, you're not going to have you know Miguel Cabrera this week. Uh, still no JD Martinez, uh, you know Jose Iglesias. That so they got they've got a lot of uh, you know fill-ins in there, but they've got the Mariners and the, and the White Sox, and the Mariners have just had all sorts of pitching problems, rotation and bullpen. Uh, James Paxton aside, and then you know the White Sox rotation is the White Sox rotation. Uh, is there anybody from either of those lineups that you would look to add? Yeah, I don't know that people are really going to be on the uh, on the waiver wire. I mean, Castellano should be owned in your league. If he's not, um, he could be in a good spot this week. Uh, and, and I didn't see the final uh, Colorado listings for at Arizona, but um, if they're rolling out all those lefties, then, then you're looking at the right-handed hitters there. So it could be a good week to have Chris Owings active um, and a couple of the other Diamondbacks that uh, will be able to offset uh, they do get Richard at home as a lefty, but if they get two or three of those left-handed uh, Rockies guys, then that can make a, a nice little uh, bump in the weekend stats, like I said, with a with a Chris Owings type or maybe an Ionetta if you need a second catcher in a deeper format. Um, and, and one of the players I highlighted in the start and fifth thing is, uh, I think, Polanco. He's still slumping, and the last time I checked, the Pirates have three left-handers out of their six games next week, so... Um, if you have Polanco there, you know, replacing him with a Conforto or an Altair or, or a couple other of these guys, um, and Brandon Belt, he's facing uh, he's facing a left-handed uh, majority week too. So, you know, a couple of those guys, and he's at home where he doesn't hit well uh, against left-handed pitchers. So uh, the, there's pivot plays out there, so I think you need to find them. All right. Well, excellent, excellent advice, Greg. Yep. Really appreciate it. And we're uh, pretty much out of time here, so – uh, check back oh, in with us to uh, check in back with us tomorrow when we have Jim Finch on. Uh, we'll be on uh, well before the lineup lock. Uh, but Greg, thank you again. Look forward to having you on again soon. And uh, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. So uh, have a great, great Sunday, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week three, and good luck to you all in week four. Take care. Oh, hey, I'm Gary Thorne, Senior Analyst for the Fantasy Sports Network and host of The Rotation. Have you ever said to yourself, I wish there was a show that had the same name every day, but different topics? Well, I'm about to blow your mind. Every day I'm joined by the best and brightest in the fantasy world as we hit on topics near and dear to the fantasy player, like the FIP differential of a struggling pitcher, the drop rate of a struggling tight